No? Yes. Oh. Yeah. And how's that? Okay. We like better. I love gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. All right, that's great. All right. Well, let's take a moment here, if you would, and pull out your connection cards. You should find them somewhere in the vicinity, hopefully in uh, the pocket in front of you. And um, if you have uh, not been here before, we love uh, all the information that you care to give us. Uh, if you have been here before and have filled these out, just your name would be lovely. And any change of, uh, of information, like if you have moved or you somehow or another have changed your cell phone number or anything like that, it would be great to get that so that uh, we can continue to send you little bits of information here and there. Um, how you found out about us is helpful if you are new. And then on the back, there's a place to get some additional information about uh, a variety of topics. If you are interested in things such as baptism or becoming a member or that sort of thing, you just check those and we will get some information to you. And then finally, some prayer requests. Uh, so we, uh, we make the time every week to pray for these things um, multiple times during the course of the week. We have a group that meets specifically on Tuesdays and then our uh, small groups uh, pray as well. Uh, and I know there are individuals that do that uh, too. So please include those and uh, we will take those up here in just a few moments. <coughs> All right, let's pray before we get started. So Lord, I just, uh, I left this message up to you. Father, and whatever you want to do with it, however you uh, wish people to hear it, Father, I just pray that, uh, that what they hear is truth that above all, that your truth speaks through this. So uh, just pray that, that, um, that that's what happens, that you would uh, pour your spirit out upon it, let it come alive. I simply ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you were to look up um, the definition of joy, you probably would find something that looks like this. To experience great pleasure or delight. That's what the dictionary says anyway. Um, but I think for a lot of people and for many of us, experiencing joy is actually um, a better thing than just reading about joy. Understanding what it is as opposed to really being able to experience it. And so, uh, I'm going to attempt to bring a little joy to everybody here today. It, it's at this moment that a little girl named Joy would walk out. <laughs> no, uh, but seriously, folks. Um, in October of 2012, the Opera Company of Philadelphia brought together over 650 choristers to perform what they called a random act of culture in the heart of a busy Macy's department store in Philadelphia. Um, they were accompanied by the largest pipe organ in the world, which was part of this. And so this opera company infiltrates the store as shoppers. And then all of a sudden, uh, at noon, straight up noon, and why they did this in October, I don't know, but they burst into um, the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. And so I want you to watch.
Well, I hope that uh, either the music itself or watching the people react to the music brought you some joy. It's really cool, I think, to watch just the expressions on people's faces as this happens. Um, and, and you don't really see anybody frowning. You see a few people that are kind of not sure what's going on. But everyone just seems to have that genuine, you know, sense of joy about them. Um, and I think it's interesting because when you look into um, when Handel wrote that, his comment when he finally finished the piece was that he had seen the face of God. And he wrote the entirety of, uh, of the Messiah. Now, roughly 9,300,000 9, people have seen that on YouTube. That's how many views it's garnered. And uh, a lot of them posted comments after they had viewed it. And probably the most posted comment after they had seen it um, was either the presence of teary eyes or tingling spines. Just beautiful, said one. Moving beyond words, said another. Brought tears to my eyes. It gave me goosebumps. And what was interesting is that noticeably absent from all of the commentary was the reaction of those who typically seem to find something wrong with any sort of public display of Christianity. PDC. <laughs> and here's what they said. I'm an atheist and I approve of this random act, writes one responder with a smiley face. I'm Hindu and I tearfully agree, said another. The composer in his art that still elicits joy in those who hear it were inseparably inspired by the story of a God who comes near. The good, the true, and the beautiful in spirit embodied in a person named Jesus Christ. And so today on this third Sunday of Advent, we're, do, we're going to explore this invitation that he gives to us, that the Holy Spirit brings to us to find joy, this invitation to joy. And to do so, we're going to look at another one of the passages from this, the birth narrative that Luke has written. Uh, and this one's featuring Mary's cousin, cousin Elizabeth. Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. <laughs> so, if you want to follow along in, in a Bible that you, you have, uh, either on an app or a hardback, uh, we're in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 39 through 45. We're also going to have them up here on the screen. So, uh, here we go, starting at verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It's a wonderful passage. There's a lot of joy in that passage. A lot of joy in the whole story. But there are some lessons that I think we uh, can learn from Elizabeth. And it speaks to the fact that life is not always joyful, right? I think everyone here would probably yeah. agree to that. Um, and so that was also the case for Elizabeth. 
when you actually start to dig into the scripture a little bit. And so I want to look at that and just maybe tease out of this a couple of the lessons that I think we can learn from Elizabeth in, as it regards to joy. And I think the first one is this. Sometimes you have to wait for joy. Especially, well, never mind. I don't want to even go down that road. Um, so earlier in chapter one, we learned that um, overall, as far as we can tell, Elizabeth had a pretty good life. She's married uh, to one of the, the temple priests. She comes from that line as well. Uh, they evidently had a pretty good life, all things considered, from the little bit that we're told. Um, he was a good husband. They both loved and obeyed God. Everything looks pretty good. Except she lacked the one thing that would really bring her true joy. And that was a child. She was barren, the scripture tells us, which simply means either sterile or she was incapable of having a child. Um, and the odds of this getting any better at this point in her life were pretty much slim and none. First of all, is she's barren, so that's an impediment. And scripture also tells us that she's old. Now, I don't know what old means here, um, but obviously it's trying to tell us that she's beyond what were considered typical childbearing years. All right? Um, and so this is probably this, this lack of joy in her life that, that came, would come through a child is probably not going to happen. And um, this, was, this would have been a source of great shame to her. And if you were here last week, you know we sort of talked about this idea that in this um, Mediterranean and Israeli culture that it was an honor and shame culture. And so honor and shame were, were big things in uh, the culture. Not at all like today, but you know, there it was very prominent. And so this lack of a child would have been a source of great shame to her. And um, the reason for that is that in this culture, children were considered to be God's greatest blessing upon a family. And here she is, unable to have one. Now the people there would have probably looked at her and her husband Zechariah as being huge contradictions because they could probably see, hey, these are faithful people. They, you know, he's a priest. She is, you know, faithful in attending temple and doing all of the things that, uh, celebrating all the feasts and so forth. And yet, somehow, amidst all of this faithfulness, you don't have a child. Kind of doesn't make sense. It certainly would have been perplexing to the people um, that were their neighbors and uh, was probably pretty perplexing to them too. And so to Elizabeth, it probably seemed as if her joy was always going to be incomplete. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had to wait for joy? Don't say it, John. Maybe you still are. Maybe in some way you still are. And see, we don't wait for things very well these days. We're not good at it. We like it immediate. We like it now. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, but as I was working on this part of the message, there's an ad that sort of popped into my head. Um, 
I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's a bunch of people on a bus, and they're all dressed up like, in, like they're in the opera, and they're singing about a structured settlement, right? That's it. J.G. Wentworth. Let's see, if you have a structured settlement and you need cash now, well, see, that's, this is a business that is profiting on the fact that we can't wait for anything, right? You've got this structured settlement, which just means you're going to get money over time, but oh, no, I can't wait over time. I want my cash now. And so they're going to help you with that, but they're also going to take a big piece of it for themselves, right? So they're just sort of preying on, these, on, on our inability to wait for anything by you know, capitalizing on, uh, on that and taking a, a nice little slice of the pie for themselves. And so this inability to wait for joy then causes us to shift our focus somewhere else. And so when we don't get the joy that we want right away, well, we just are going to go off and we're going to find something else that we think is going to find us joy. So I sort of wonder, you know, has waiting, in a sense, become a lost art? And what are these things that we are replacing joy with? And after a while, we've got to know that they really don't bring us that much joy. And whatever they do bring lasts for about that long and then it's gone. There's that thrill of perhaps buying something that's new and fun and exciting, some new toy or some new piece of clothing or whatever the case may be. But that thrill lasts for maybe a couple of days. You wear it once, and then it just becomes another item in the closet. The novelty of the gadget wears off, and it sort of sits there and doesn't get touched or played with much anymore. And so all I can really say about Elizabeth's situation is that her lack of ultimate joy was through no fault of her own. It was part of God's plan. But the thing is, she was willing to wait on what God, what was God's best for her. And, and she was willing to do that whether it resulted in her idea of joy or not. And I think we've got to learn to practice that same degree of patience and trust that God is going to come through. Thank you. I got an amen up from someone. The other thing, or another thing, that I think Elizabeth shows us is that time waiting is best spent obeying God. Okay, so if we're going to wait, what are we going to do with the time? See, despite not getting what she wanted ultimately in life, she continued to pursue and press into God. She continued to remain faithful to Him. She continued to worship Him. 
See, a lot of people will claim that they have a strong, unshakable faith. Yeah, I'm rock solid. Well, the best test of that is to see how rock solid they stay when some, something bad happens, right? Some joy is delayed or perhaps joy is even denied in their life. Elizabeth passed with flying colors. She continued as chapter 1, verse 6 says, to walk blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. She understood how this worked. And in, in this sense, Elizabeth is a lot like Job, who you know, has all of these disastrous things befall him. And yet, he refuses to curse God or turn away from him. Now, did Job have a lot of questions? <laughs> what was going on? Yeah. He had a lot of questions. Did he want to... Um, did he want answers from God? Did he want to say, look, Lord, what's going on here? Well, yeah, he wanted, he, wanted to, he wanted to understand that. But having questions and wanting answers is a far cry from turning away from God in faithlessness and disobedience. And Job never did that. And Elizabeth never did that. I'm sure she had questions too. Lord, why, why do all the other women in the village have questions? children and children and upon children and I, I don't I have nothing why must I suffer the shame that comes along with this you know she had to have those questions but even in the midst of those questions she still clung to the God that she knew was faithful the God that she knew was the ultimate source of her joy. As I said, whether or not she ever saw joy in this life or not, she knew there was joy in the next. I think for both Elizabeth and for Job, the absence of joy did not eliminate the presence of obedience. The absence of joy did not eliminate the presence of obedience. And so how do you respond when joy is delayed or joy is denied? Do you think God has abandoned you and so you abandon God? Or do you double down on obedience and continue to trust that God is going to provide your ultimate joy either in this world or the next. And then I think the last thing that is sort of taken, not so much specifically from this passage with uh, Elizabeth, but really from the whole of the text, uh, starting um, the beginning of Luke, that when you look at this passage, you, you look at the other verses that are around them, you'll notice if you're paying attention, that there's something that always seems to accompany joy. So, for example, an angel appears to Zechariah and tells him that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son and that he's going to have joy, he will have, that they actually will have joy and gladness. And then um, Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house 
And little Johnny leaps for joy in his mother's womb. Johnny the Baptist, that's who I'm referring to him. His close friends called him Johnny. Or Elizabeth neighbor, Elizabeth's neighbors rejoice over how the Lord had shown great mercy to her when she finally did give birth. I could go on like this for quite a while, and I, I know you really would like me to. Um, because I did a word search in the ESV. That's the one nice thing about uh, computers and Bibles and things like that. It's really easy to do stuff like this. And so I did this word search on the words joy and rejoice together, e either one of those two. 350 occurrences in Scripture of, of one of those two words. Okay, now I didn't look at all of them, but I looked at a lot of them. And the, the occurrence of joy or rejoicing was inevitably preceded by something to do with God. And so if you, would, if you were to look at them, you would see this distinct pattern developing. So, for example, people in Scripture rejoiced over the things that God had done. People rejoiced because they had given freely of their possessions to the Lord. People rejoiced over what God had provided them. People, believe it or not, rejoiced when they were allowed to voluntarily pay their taxes. That's in there. They had joy when they celebrated the holy feast days. They had joy when they thought about who was the source of their salvation. I think David did a very good job of sort of summarizing all this up when he said this in Psalm 16. He said, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is what? Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence there is fullness of joy. See, God is ultimately the source of true joy. So why do we bother looking somewhere else? <laughs> yeah, lack of patience. That certainly is, is, is one reason. <coughs> so, as I said at the beginning, the Holy Spirit is inviting all of us to joy. Now, there's a word in, um, in Greek that, that is translated as gospel, and it's euangelion. And it, it literally translated, it means good message. Okay? But it can also somewhat literally mean joyful news or joy news. Okay? And uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, who didn't know if you knew it or not, but he was a very devout Christian. Was part of a group with C.S. Lewis and some others known as the Inklings that met regularly uh, at this little pub in Oxford. And Tolkien says there's a kind of story that brings us unbelievable joy. And he says that all of the stories that are like this always have this certain element to them or certain kernel. So here's what it looks like. There's always some inc you know, uh, incredibly hopeless situation. And in this hopeless situation, victory is snatched out of the jaws of defeat. But how does that happen? Well, turns out that it's always through somebody who comes into the scene 
and whose weakness turns out to be their greatest strength. Someone whose apparent defeat turns into a victory. He says that those kind of stories just seem to bring us joy. He calls them eucatastrophes. Do you know what the word eucatastrophe means? It means joyful catastrophe. <laughs> joyful catastrophe. Now, I'm pretty sure Tolkien made this up, but he was a fiction writer, so he can do that. Um, a joyful catastrophe is a tragedy that turns out to be a triumph. It's a sacrifice that turns out to bring joy. He did say, however, that there is a eucatastrophe of all the eucatastrophes. There is a story that's in all of the stories. He believes that there is a bass string to the human heart. <coughs> in those other stories, they can kind of make it reverberate a little bit, but they can't really pluck it. Tolkien says that the gospel story is the only story that will pluck that string so that the whole heart never stops reverberating and vibrating with joy. And the reason that it reverberates is this. It's the reality to which all the other stories point. It's the story that happened, that really and truly happened. There really is a hero who defeats the villain. There really is a man named Jesus. The word gospel means the joy news. Joy is real, and you have to have it. Amen? We're going to do something today that I've never done before. Oh, don't be afraid. <laughs> I'm a trained professional. I can do these things. <coughs> um, oh, before we get into this, I was asked, I will send this out this week, but someone asked for directions uh, to the clubhouse for the gift wrap exchange on uh, Thursday night. And that way, okay. So <laughs> if, you <laughs> if you were to, to go around the building here and out the front entrance or and make, instead of going right to Sliding Hill, you were to make a left and go further down King's Charter, be very careful on King's Charter Drive. It's 25 miles an hour and it's very closely patrolled. Very close. We have had members get tickets. They will, they, they will ticket you, and it's like double the fine in the neighborhood, so be careful. But if you just turn and go down that way, there's a lighted sign at the entrance to it, and it's not any more than a mile, if even that, down the street. Okay, because I think my son's house is like a mile, and it's not that far. So just right down the street here. And you'll see it. Pardon me? It'll be on the right. Yep, you just will make, you'll see the sign. You just turn in right in front of that sign and you'll see the clubhouse. It's right there. The pool is right there as well as tennis courts and all that. So it looks like a typical 
neighborhood clubhouse. Uh, and just come on in. So, I want to pray for joy today. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, but I, I definitely want to, uh, we're celebrating joy this, this, uh, this Sunday of Advent. And so if you are somebody who would like to have a little more joy in your life, I just invite you to come up. Turn the lights off, please, Nick. you did? I don't know if you came up to pray or just to get joy. All right. So, um, so I'm going to pray and, uh, and if you need some other touch from God, this is, we devote this last sort of part of our service to this, where if you need prayer for really anything, you need a miracle today, this is your time to get it. I'm specifically going to be praying for a release of joy. Sally's in the back. She'll, uh, if you have any other sickness or disease, she'll take care of you. <laughs> you yeah, you can double dip. It's perfectly okay. We allow that. Um, so I'm just going to pray a, a dismissal blessing so that if you, uh, if you need to be going, and, uh, and, and you, you may. I encourage you to stay, however, because Chip and the, the team are going to play. You can continue just to worship in God's presence. Um, so this is sort of time that we set aside for people to, uh, to rest in that. So, Father, I just I thank you for your message of joy and for the lessons in Elizabeth's life that teach us that joy is not this immediate thing that comes whenever we call it but that oftentimes it's preceded by things that are struggles, that are uh, hardships, that make joy seem as if it's never going to show up. But Lord God, we know that you are a God of joy. Your scripture is full of joy and rejoicing. And so Lord, I pray now that you would let spirit of joy descend on this place. That in a time, in a season where sometimes, oddly enough, joy is in short supply, that you would allow your people to experience joy today. Open their hearts, Lord God, that joy might come in. Bless all of these, your people, Father. I pray that they would be bearers of joy as they leave this place. That in this week ahead, that they will consciously think about how they can spread joy to someone. Even in the smallest act. 
bless them, Lord. Give them strength and courage. Just ask all this now in Jesus' name.